Chapter 10 Little Meg as Charwoman Meg and her children did not fail to make an appearance the next morning at Mrs. Blossom's shop, where she welcomed them heartily and made them comfortable again by the kitchen fire. When they were all well warmed and had finished some bread and some coffee which had been kept hot for them, Mrs. Blossom put on a serious business air. "'Mr. George and me have talked you over,' she said, "'and he's agreed to something. "'I can't do my duty by him as I should wish. Do "'You know why. "'I want a little maid to help me.' "'Oh, if you please,' faltered little Meg, "'I couldn't leave our attic. "'I promised Mother I wouldn't go away further till, till Father comes home. But "'Please don't be angry, please.' "'Oh, I'm not angry, child,' continued Mrs. Blossom. "'I only want a little maid to come in the mornings and to go away nights, like a charwoman.' "'Well, Mother used to do charring sometimes,' remarked Meg. "'I'm not a rich woman,' resumed Mrs. Blossom. "'And Mr. George has his old father to keep, as lived down in my old village. "'I know him well, so we can't give great wages.' "'I'd give you half a quart and loaf a day, "'and Mr. George threepence for the present, while it's winter. "'Would that suit your, your views?' "'What could I do with uh, Robbie and Baby?' asked Meg, "'with an air of perplexed thought. "'Well, couldn't you leave them with a neighbour? suggested Mrs. Blossom. "'Meg pondered deeply for a while.' Kitty had told her the night before that she had got some sailor's shirts to sew and would stay at home to make them. She could trust Robin and the baby with Kitty. Instead of lighting a fire in her own attic, she could give her coals and so save her fuel as part payment for taking charge of the children. And yet Meg felt a little sad at the idea of leaving them for so long a time and seeing so little of them each day. And she knew they would be missed very sorely. But nothing else could be done, so she accepted Mrs. Blossom's offer thankfully. "'Oh, you needn't be here for nine in the morning,' said Mrs. Blossom. "'It's too early for Posy to be passing by. You can go away as soon as it's dark in the evening. You mustn't get any breakfast, you know, because that's our bargain, and I'd never grudge you a, a meal's meat for the children either. Bless them. They'll come and have a good tea with us sometimes, they shall, <laughs> especially on Sundays when Mr. George is at home. And if you'd only got your clothes out of pawn, we'd all go to church together. <coughs> but we'll see, yeah, we'll see. Meg turned upon her new duties the next morning, and upon committing the children with many lingering kisses and last goodbyes into Kitty's charge, who promised faithfully to be kind to them as Meg herself, if it had not been for her anxiety with regard to them, she would have enjoyed nothing better than being Mrs. Blossom's little maid. The good woman was so kindly and motherly that she won Meg's whole heart. To see her sit by the shop window, knitting a very large, long stocking for Mr. George, but with her eyes scanning every woman's face that went by, it made her feel full of an intense and childish interest. She began herself to watch for Posy, as her mother described her, and, 
Whenever the form of a grown-up girl darkened the doorway, she held her breath to listen if Mrs Blossom called her by that pet name. Mr George also was very good to Meg in his bluff way, and he bought her a pair of nearly new shoes with his first week's wages, over and above the threepence a day which he'd paid her. With Mrs Blossom, she held many a conversation about the lost girl, who'd grown up wicked and was therefore worse than dead, and before long Mr George observed that Meg had done her a world of good. Christmas Day was a great treat to Meg, for though Mr George went down into the country to see his old father, Mrs Blossom invited her and the children to come to dinner, and to stay with her till it was the little one's bedtime. And when they sat round the fire in the afternoon, she told them wonderful stories about the country, of its fields and its gardens and its lanes. "'I like gardens,' said Robin, "'but I don't like lanes.' "'And why don't you like lanes?' asked Mrs Blossom. "'Well, I know lots of lanes,' he answered. "'There's uh, Rosemary Lane, and that's not nice, nor none of them. They ain't nice like Temple Gardens.' "'Rosemary Lane?' repeated Mrs Blossom. "'Why, the lanes in the country are nothing like the lanes in London. "'They're beautiful roads, with tall trees growing all along them, "'and meeting one another overhead, "'and then there are roses and honeysuckles all about the hedges, "'and the birds are singing, and the sun is shining. "'Only you don't know anything about roses and honeysuckles and birds, do you?' "'Are there any angels there?' asked Robin, fastening his glistening eyes upon her intently. "'Well, no,' said Mrs Blossom. "'Not as I know of.' "'Is the, uh, is the devil in the country?' pursued Robin. "'Yes,' answered Mrs Blossom. "'I suppose there's, it's pretty much the same as here. "'Folks can be wicked anywhere, or else my posy wouldn't have grown up bad.' Robin asked no more questions, and Mrs Blossom was glad to talk of something else. It was a very happy day altogether, but it came too quickly to an end. Meg wrapped up her children well before turning out into the cold streets, and Mrs Blossom gave them a farewell kiss each, with two to Meg because, well, she was such a comfort to her. When they reached their own attic, they could hear Kitty call to them, and Meg opened her door. She was sitting without any fire, stitching away as for her life in a coarse striped shirt, lighted only by a small farthing candle. But she laid down her task for a minute, and she raised her thin, pale face, her eyes half-blinded with tears and hard work. Oh, "'Where have you been all day, little Meg?' she asked. "'Me and the children have been at Mrs Blossom's,' answered Meg, "'because it's Christmas Day.' "'I wish you'd been there as well, Kitty. "'We had such a good dinner and tea. "'She gave me a bit of cake to bring home, "'and you shall have some of it.' "'No, no,' said Kitty. Uh, "'Choke me.' "'Well, it, it couldn't. "'It's as nice as nice can be,' said Meg. "'You must just have a taste of it.' "'Did you go talking about that posy again?' "'asked Kitty, bending diligently over her work. "'Oh, yes.' "'We always talk about her,' answered Meg. "'Every day. "'Mrs Blossom's watching for her to go by, "'all day long, you know. 
"'Well, she'll never go by,' said Kitty shortly. "'Oh, oh, I think she's certain to go by some day,' cried Meg. "'Mrs. Blossom asked God to let her go by every day of her life, "'and he's positive to do it.' "'Well, if she's grown up so wicked,' argued Kitty, "'she oughtn't to go back to her mother, and her such a good woman. "'God won't send her back to her mother, you'll see.' "'But if God sent her back, her mother would never think of her being wicked.' "'She loves her so,' said little Meg. "'And if Robbie were ever so naughty, "'well, I'd keep on loving him till he was good again.' "'Well, Posey'll never go home no more,' said Kitty, "'and hot tears fell fast upon her work. "'Oh, she will, she will,' cried Meg. "'I expect her every day, like father. "'I expect they'll both come home tomorrow. "'I wish you'd ask God to let Posey and father come home tomorrow.' "'I'm too bad to ask God for anything,' sobbed Kitty. "'Well, I don't know,' said Meg sorrowfully. "'You're not bad to me or the children. "'But, well, I've got to go to bed now. "'Let's kiss you before we go. "'Mrs. Blossom kissed me twice and said I was a comfort to her.' Kitty threw down her work and clasped Meg strongly in her arms, pressing down upon Meg's head upon her breast and crying, "'Oh, my dear Meg, my good little Meg!' Then she put them all three gently out of her room and bade them good-night, and God bless them in a rather husky and tremulous voice.' 